Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today we are going to talk about uh, some key injuries in the NFL, mostly Miles Garrett and his impact on the defensive player of the year market. We'll talk stock up, stock down with the Packers up and the Saints down. Then we'll talk coach of the year, which is a bit of a mess after Dan Campbell <laughs> and D'Amico Ryan's both lost this week, throwing that market uh, into flux. But Drew, let's start with Miles Garrett. Now we're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon. So by the time this drops, there may be more of a clear uh, diagnosis on Garrett. But what yeah. do you think is going to happen here? And what do you think of the ripples into the DPOY market? I expect he'll miss some time. Uh, we may have seen the last of him in 2023. It wouldn't shock me. Um, the quotes, the comments, the vibe, everything, the market, betting against uh, the Browns so aggressively, all of it tells the same story and that there is no uh, likelihood is low that Miles Garrett will suit up against the Rams this week. And um, if it's that serious of an injury, he's going to miss more time than that. Uh, he did, uh, I believe, at one point in his career, miss about five weeks with a torn labrum uh, in his shoulder. So this isn't a new thing. I'm assuming that's what this injury is, but I don't have any kind of inside details on that. Um, and I think the Browns defense can get through this without taking an enormous step backwards. Are they going to be the number one defense moving forward rating wise? Absolutely not. Like yeah, he matters. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they do have a lot of depth. Uh, they've gotten nice contributions from a lot of young players on that line who will t- use this opportunity to, uh, you know, try to make a name for themselves. Jim Schwartz's scheme is a huge part of why their defense has been so successful this year. Uh, and I think overall, the defensive side of the Cleveland, you know, Browns as a, a handicapping endeavor, it should be fine. I wouldn't massively downgrade them. Where I would circle and be concerned about the Browns is what to do with their offense right now. Um, DTR goes out with the concussion. Uh, PJ Walker's unplayable. Um, it is very realistic that this may be a Joe Flacco game. Uh, now the Browns are spending the week in, uh, in LA, uh, to get ready for this contest. And so presumably they'll have like a week of concentrated practice, um, no distractions and really kind of try to get things right on the offense, but there's lots of problems. You know, the, the running, rushing offensively, uh, excuse me, the rushing offensive efficiency has dropped precipitously, uh, with some of the injuries they've sustained to the offensive line. 
doesn't look like they have the tackle situation figured out at all. Uh, and if you put Joe, you know, Joe Flacco, the statue back there, uh, you know, maybe you'll get a couple of deep defensive pass interference calls against the Rams. But uh, overall, he's going to be a sitting duck for Aaron Donald and uh, and Jones. So uh, this is uh, or Byron Young. Ooh, that's a nice, uh, nice, nice opportunity for him to kind of uh, plant his flag in the uh, defensive rookie of the year race if he can get a couple of sacks here. So, um, yeah, really, really tough situation for the Browns offensively. I think uh, the market moving from a look ahead of a pick them against the Rams to minus five. Whew. That is some serious steam. And that's not all miles Garrett. So, uh, yeah, I mean, DTR on the road was going to be a hot fade anyway, but if it's Joe Flacco and his first, you know, first, uh, um, start for this team, then, you know, I, I, I think we need to move the bar a little bit lower. Do you have a read on what's going to happen with the quarterback position for the Browns? I think the thing is, is that it doesn't really matter that much because <laughs> these guys are all bad. And I know DTR got the win against the Steelers, but he wasn't good in the game. And I think that you want DTR as your quarterback because at least there is the hope that he can get better and potentially be serviceable. And there's just no hope there with PJ Walker and Joe Flacco. We know exactly what they are. They're like vastly worse versions of Taylor Heineke, who's kind of the uh, penthouse version of we know you're bad, we know what you are. <laughs> uh, and Walker and Flacco. Are so DTR kind of like, DTR wasn't that bad against the Broncos, I thought, actually. He was solid enough. And so I guess it is a little bit of a hit, but the bigger issue is that you mentioned their offensive line uh, is – kind of tatters really with yeah. the injuries that they've had there. Uh, Amari Cooper is also banged up uh, in the yeah. Denver game and then defensively uh, with Garrett and look, the prognosis will probably diagnosis will probably be out by the time this drops but uh, generally when you say that you hear you heard something pop in your shoulder and then you're wearing a sling and can't raise your arm it's generally you're going to miss some time and so Garrett was entering week 12 he was plus 100 even money to win defensive player of the year. And I thought that price was too long, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> oh, and weighted oh accordingly. Uh, so now if he's if he's done uh, from that market, which I suspect he probably is, yeah. then it's I think you're looking at a three man race. And I think it's Parsons, Watt, and Deron Bland. And I was probably lower on Deron Bland's previous uh, to Garrett's injury just because I just thought it was so improbable that Bland would be able to beat Garrett because Garrett was having such a momentous season and you know carrying the Browns to a seven and three record despite three quarterbacks and leading the league in sacks. Well, Garrett's just out of the market. Then Bland can absolutely win Defensive Player of the Year. It's a much more, uh, it's a much lower bar to clear. I still think TJ Watt is probably your favorite, especially after what he did. Uh, on Sunday with the two sacks, the fact that the Steelers are seven and four, they have an easy schedule. He's going to be able to feast on Kyler Murray, whoever's playing quarterback for the Patriots, Jake Browning, Gardner Minshew. Uh, he's going to get all these guys. He's got uh, Geno Smith and that defense line. His hardest matchup is against Lamar Jackson. He loves getting sacked. Uh, <laughs> he loves getting sacked by TJ Watt as well. So I think Watt is now the favorite in this market if, if Garrett is out. But what do you think of that? And what do you think of Ron Bland? I wouldn't say it's a certainty that Lamar Jackson is going to have to start week 18, Jay. <laughs> that might not be, uh, might, might be a Tyler Huntley time. Um, I, I agree with all of your breakdown. I uh, was curious to see what your opinion was on Bland and whether he was a realistic candidate. I, you know, coming from nowhere in a market like this where you, you're basically saying we are acknowledging you're the best defensive player in the game is like borderline impossible for me to wrap my head around right no there are people who may vote for 
Deron Bland is, you know, second, third, fourth. Uh, or I guess they only do one, two, three, and defense play there. There may be people that vote for Deron Bland third this year who did not know he was a Dallas Cowboy to start yeah. the season, right? Um, and that's that's fascinating to me. But uh, his stats are on par for what Stephon Gilmore did, his defensive player of the year campaign. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, these weren't cheap touchdowns. <laughs> like, he's doing some pretty amazing stuff. So I, I, I still think Parsons would be the guy. And if they split votes and that tilts – you know, favor even more in the direction of TJ Watt than so be it. I just don't, I just hope it doesn't take the shine off the job that uh, Mike Tomlin has done for the Steelers. Cause it, that's really the, the, that's my key takeaway for how this team is doing what they're doing, despite all of the uh, inefficiency at the quarterback position. But um, you know, TJ Watts, he's compiling stats. It's, it's going to be, he's going to be threatening the, you know, sack record probably uh, unless something goes really sideways for him. Um, but they're quiet. Right, and the Steelers' defense doesn't really feel like an obvious top five unit to me overall. They have some issues with the secondary. They have some issues with the linebacking core. A lot of that is injuries, but um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that there's a way to you know to kind of move the move the needle in sentiment and get Micah Parsons some consideration because he deserves it more, I think. But maybe I'm an island on that. No, I agree. I would have Parsons above Bland, certainly. But a couple of things that I think hurt Parsons uh, and helped Bland in a way. One, I just think it's a numbers game with Parsons, where Watt has 13 and a half sacks, Parsons has 11 and a half. Watt has six pass deflections and an interception touchdown, Parsons has two pass deflections. <laughs> Watt has forced three fumbles, Parsons has forced one. Watt's recovered three fumbles, Parsons has recovered one. Like it just doesn't, it's not, there's no real case to be made for Parsons yeah. over Watt. Statistically, the case is, is that Dallas have an amazing top three, four defense in the league and the Steelers have a pretty meh defense overall. Yeah. Uh, but... I think all this, all of this kind of helps Deron Bland because you don't have to compare. <laughs> no one's going to want to – I don't think people are going to be very excited to vote for TJ Watt and reward that Steelers defense, which is fairly unthreatening. But you don't have to compare Deron Bland to TJ Watt statistically because Bland has broken a, a record uh, that has stood for all of time. And, and also, I think the thing with Bland is that this isn't Trayvon Diggs from two years ago where Diggs was <laughs> racking gambling um, yeah. and getting these picks and then also just getting burned for 60-yard touchdown passes. Now, Diggs actually became a much better cornerback after that, but Bland is the number one cornerback by PFF grade and was coming into this week before the most recent pick six. I think he's just awesome, <laughs> and he might just be the best cornerback yeah. in football or thereabouts. So. Amazing. I think that he is very, very live, but let's see what happens to Garrett. Uh, and let's see if TJ Watt, TJ Watt again. TJ Watt's going to screw me in this market. <laughs> I have, I, I'm fully exposed as I just yeah, didn't think I, he was going to, I didn't think he was going to beat Garrett. I didn't yeah, see this as wasn't. potential. <laughs> I just didn't see this happening. And yeah. Uh, yeah, how did they, how did the Steelers keep getting away yeah. with this? Well, oh, at man. least. For us, uh, and it is all about us. Uh, at least TJ is somewhat correlated with Mike Tomlin, coach of the year. So there is that to fall back on. All right. Uh, it's a career first, Drew, for Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football. The reigning MVP will travel to Lambeau Field for the first time in his career to face not Aaron Rodgers, but Jordan Love and the Packers. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my state farm agent. He's a small business owner, too. So he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right. Stock up, stock down after week 12. Stock up. We start with those Packers uh, coming off the momentous victory over uh, an insipid Detroit Lions outfit. The Chiefs are six and a half point favorites against the Packers. Uh, The total is 42 and a half. Jordan Love is up to 11th in EPA per play. Uh, AKA higher than Lamar Jackson, who's your third favorite for MVP, higher than Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, much more pedigreed quarterbacks. Uh, Love has been quietly, well, not so quietly anymore after the Thanksgiving game, but he's been awesome the past month. Uh, do you think that this is a team that is is somewhat real now with the way that Love is playing? It's a really, really tough question and one that we need to get a solid answer on quickly uh, because this final third of the season, um, this is kind of how you make your tail end of the season money on counting on like a player who improves from week one to week 11 and kind of taking the updated rating and running with it. Um, This is a huge number for a Packers team that played really well last time we saw them. Um, it's a huge number for the Chiefs to be laying when they're offensive, uh, you know, even despite covering and, in, in, you know, having a glory, a glory filled performance against uh, the Raiders. That was there's still some cracks with this Chiefs team clearly on the offensive side. Um, and yeah, Packers absolutely deserve a, a reasonable, a reasonable upgrade. Um, and they have a way into the seventh seat of the, you know, in, in uh, a wild card that nobody really seems to want to run away with in the NFC right now. Um, Jordan Love going into the Thanksgiving Day game, uh, the only question he really had to answer for me was like, can he operate efficiently in structure? And that is to say he was really, really struggling in the opening script scripted portion of offense. Um, and it didn't make sense because how can you be, you know, a, an inefficient quarterback to the tune of Zach Wilson's type of numbers in the first half of football games. And then in the second half, when things are kind of more backyard, you know, we're, we're, we're adjusting on the fly. We're adapting to the situation we're in. You know, he, he was under duress for pass rush as he was, um, you know, at, at a deficit and teams were trying to put away games with the pass rush. And, uh, and he was performing at Josh Allen levels in the second half. And it was like, this is a, a weird, you know, very tough to square dichotomy. And, I think with the short week and with the injuries the Packers sustained, I kind of want to give a lot of the credit to his success in the first half of the game and putting the lines on their heels. A lot of that should just go to they played a little bit more loose, a little bit less structured offense, and I think it works. And LaFleur may pivot into that being his style with Jordan Love until Jordan Love continues to improve. Um, but at least uh, they're, I think they've seen enough now 
that they're going to continue this experiment for another year. And Green Bay, as opposed to really pressing the panic button and drafting a quarterback. And what's crazy is two weeks ago, like that was all that the beat, Green Bay beat was talking about. Like this guy was his job was already replaced. Like they were talking, well, man, man, we're gonna have a top five pick. Which quarterback should we go for? Do you think we'll get one of the top two, or should we look at QB three? Like you know that that narrative now has flipped so aggressively and correctly um i find it fascinating and i think jordan love in general should be rated as a top 15 quarterback in the nfl as currently uh you know as we currently look at starters probably top 12 uh and i think uh, as he gets his weapons back healthy um this offense should continue to improve i don't know uh i don't have high hopes that aaron jones is going to be available this week that seemed like a multi-week type of injury to me i haven't heard sincerely that they are you know are, are considering him this week but that's one to keep an eye on because he matters a ton uh the rushing attack is wildly inefficient if it's only aj Dillon back there and that's kind of the one place you want to punch the chiefs um and so i think that's the one injury that i have circled uh, before i get involved betting chiefs Packers this week and um it's just it's fun that this game has juice because <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago uh, I wouldn't have said that even with the uh, you know with the smirk so um yeah I think you know Packers need to be a top half of the NFL team overall uh and uh, I think the offense needs to be top half the way that Jordan Love is playing and um this is uh this is a shocking development considering where we started the season yeah I think the one note of caution is that love his improved performance has come against the defenses of the rams steelers chargers and lions and none of those defenses are particularly fearsome but the rams and lions and chargers all have dreadful pass defenses the steelers are what they are they're not terrible they're not great either so let's see what he does against kansas city but after that doesn't really matter because the giants Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears, none of these teams have yeah. imposing pass defenses. Uh, yeah. So I think that Love uh, should be in a position to play pretty well down the stretch. He just, he seems so in rhythm against the Lions. And he yeah. was, it wasn't just the, the scramble stuff. He was just making perfect on-time throws. And I think the key for him is that uh, as someone who was, completely exposed to Christian Watson last year in Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he never really became a threat, but he kind of got a little bit scary for a second down the end when uh, bloody Aaron Rodgers just kept on feeding him touchdowns <laughs> uh, whenever they got in close. But uh, as someone who was uh, living in fear of Christian Watson, I watched a lot of him play last season, and I thought he was magnificent down the stretch. Like, he looked like a legit wide receiver one in the NFL, and he just hasn't shown that at all this season until Thanksgiving, where he looked like an absolute monster. Uh, and now they go up against the Chiefs defense, which is uh, excellent, but I think it's become a little bit uh, overrated. Uh, I thought that the Eagles game, they got away with some stuff, like the interception that LeJarrius Sneed had was because he got beaten on the uh, route by A.J. Brown, basically. And A.J. Brown was streaking into the end zone, and then A.J. Brown should have had another touchdown as well. Uh, and then Aiden O'Connell was moving the ball very well in the first half against Kansas City. So I don't think that this is, you know, a, a peak Browns with Garrett or Ravens type of defense. Uh, so I think that the Packers may have more success than people anticipate. And also, 10-day yeah. break is huge for Green Bay because they were really banged up. J.R. Alexander yep. and Aaron Jones, the biggest names, but just missing a lot of players who should yep. come back against Kansas Wicks, Campbell, There's, the list was long. And then yeah. all those guys are healthy. I think the one thing we forgot to mention that's important to bring up, um, the Packers O-line is healthy and they're playing at a top three level. 
Yeah. So they're affording a young quarterback an opportunity to learn how to play the position without being under extreme duress, <laughs> which is something you can't say about all of the other young quarterbacks who are failing. Yep. I am with you there. All right. Stock down, uh, much less inspiring situation in New Orleans, uh, who would have been a much better bet for the playoffs than the Packers a week ago. Now, probably not, to be honest. I've got the Packers plus 105 fair to make the playoffs uh, and the Saints slightly longer than that. They are dealing with a ton of injuries. Marshall and Lattimore is on IR. Chris Olave got concussed. Rashid Shahid did his thigh. Uh, they're just running out of players and they're in big trouble. They're now to four-point dogs Oof. at home to the Lions uh, who look completely broken against the Packers. Uh, what do you think of this Saints team? Do you think that they can bounce back and win the NFC South as plus 150 dogs to do so now? Oh, man. The Falcons' schedule is so so easy, I feel like. Yeah. And the Falcons, I think, you know what's actually key? Falcons are undefeated in division. So they're almost yeah. certainly going to have the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how the Saints get back in this, especially the way that Derek Carr is playing right now. It's been a very tough hang. Uh, and now you take away the, you know, the vaunted weapons that sort of were the reason to believe in this team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very interested to hear from the insiders in New Orleans on what the long-term, you know, how long are we going to be without Olave and Shahid here? Because if it's an extended period, if it's the rest of the season, then Saints, you might as well absolutely stick a fork in them. They're not well coached. They're not well coordinated. Their offensive vision is is atrocious. And really the thing that I want to kind of key on, because everybody knows the offense has been miserable all season. They've been miserable in the red zone. They just don't have any type of uh, you know philosophy or any kind of underpinnings that you're excited about in terms of you know what some of the other offenses out there are doing in the NFL right now. Um, but the real kind of downgrade on the Saints has to be their defense. Their rushing defense was a joke yesterday. And I know that you're up against one of the more unique and more outstanding rushing attacks in the NFL with the Falcons, but um, this is a unit you used to be able to count on was going to give you a very solid effort on both sides, you know, but through the air on the ground every week, keep you in games. Lattimore being out absolutely matters this week against the Lions team who should have absolutely no problem throwing. Uh, and, you know, the Lions, I thought uh, have now put together, a handful of really, really solid efforts on the ground. Their offensive line is healthy. I think that this adjustment out to four for the Lions is completely justified. Uh, Saints, in my opinion, going forward, are going to need some insane luck to get back into the NFC South race, even though it's a pillow fight. And I think uh, I, I bet some of that. And I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty much ready to grade them losses after yesterday's result because, uh, as I mentioned, like they just—it's a super, super fine margin now, and their defense isn't playing well enough, and their um, and their quarterback play is not going to improve now that they have uh, a lack of weapons. So, um, weird turn of events for a Saints team that might be looking at themselves and wondering why they got them you know why did we sign Derek Carr again what was the vision here like what what, what was the plan how how are we a five-win team like this is um, a pretty tough campaign I think when it's, the dust settles and they're probably going to be under 500. Yeah and their schedule is easy the rest of the way but they have this game home to Detroit where they're four-point dogs and then they have games at the Rams at Tampa Bay which are not layups either for this team just because they're not very good meanwhile the falcons their schedule uh i mean they get a pretty decent break getting tim boyle this week uh of all characters 
And then after that, um, Tampa Bay at Carolina, home Indy at Chicago at New Orleans. That's about as easy as it gets. Uh, what's the line going to be if it's uh, are the Cowboys going to be seven and a half point favorites in Atlanta? Oh, oh higher. I would say higher for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the Cowboys are going to be over a touchdown against whoever wins this nasty division in the four or five at this rate. Yep. Pretty grim. All right. Before we get to a more upbeat topic, NFL Coach of the Year. Uh, Drew, if you want more Formula One after the recent Grand Prix in Vegas, check out CNBC's special podcast series, Inside Track, the Business of Formula One, an inside look at what's fueling F1's popularity and who is profiting. Hear from the biggest names in the game, the league CEOs and the million-dollar packages rolled out for the most elite fans, you can listen by following the Squawk on the Street podcast wherever you download and subscribe. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right. From that into Coach of the Year, where the great Dan Campbell is still favored at plus 175. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's is 4-1. to one which I think is way too short now that the division is more or less gone. Mike McDaniel, back from the dead, 6-1. to one. And then Kevin O'Connell, we'll see what he does on Monday Night Football. We're taping this before he has played. And then Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Sean Payton. And then offensively, we've taken this long to get to our man, Mike Tomlin, at 16-1. to one. And thus ends, for the most part, the list of viable candidates. Uh, do you think there is a new horse in this market to bet? Well, I think the two that you have to pay attention to are down the list a little ways. Um, okay. And they are Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, uh, two guys that shared a coaching room last year and an oh. offensive philosophy that is working still in today's NFL. Um, I mean, we're not out of the realm of possibility of the Eagles finishing with one loss, which is unfreaking believable considering they're getting outplayed every week. And, uh, you know, we continue to joke about, uh, you know, the bills come and do the schedule, the schedule, hell, blah, blah, blah. Like they're playing a different style of football. They're playing four down football. Everybody else is playing three. Like it, that it ultimately is, is a huge, huge factor in their success this season. Uh, they have an unstoppable play in the tush push and Jalen hurts is apparently now healthier and he's getting healthy. He will presumably get healthy down the stretch. So um, if the Eagles can run the table from here and they beat, 
basically every other contender and the, they're the clear one seed in the NFC. And, and uh, um, you know, I think you're still going to be able to make a case against Hertz for MVP because his numbers just aren't going to be up to snuff with some of the other you know elite quarterbacks. But um, the default then becomes Sirianni is the guy for coach of the year. If you have a, you know, 16 and one's never been done. <laughs> like that's quite cool. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we've had a 16 and 0, but uh, with the new format going, you know, with that, that kind of record would warrant consideration surely. Um, the Nick Sirianni, I mean, uh, the, um, excuse me, the Shane Steichen case is interesting just because the Colts all of a sudden are sitting in very, very prime position to steal a playoff spot. I don't think anyone saw this coming. And yes, it's, you know, it's, it's not as fun of a story as the Demeco runs, you know, kind of, case was to say out loud but um pretty more pretty clearly more impressive doing it with Gardner Mitchell than doing it with a guy who's a bona fide top seven quarterback in the NFL right now and CJ Stroud so um yeah fascinating to see that uh you know campaign emerge and if you look at the Colts remaining schedule and the quarterbacks they face I'm not sure this team is missing the playoffs and I know none of us really want to handicap a Gardner Minshew wild card game but I think we need to start uh, preparing ourselves for that Yep, no, I'm with you there. I think that Steichen, coach of the year-wise, was the biggest mover out of the weekend. And it's not like there was such an impressive win, but just to be able to rack up that win while all the other candidates fell down. And now they have uh, a very, very easy schedule to close. And so I've got them about 7-1 to one to get to 11 wins. And if you get to 11, if the team gets to 11-6 and six and is a, probably at that point a five seed, that's a pretty strong case. I don't think it's an unbeatable case, but uh, that would be certainly uh, would be able to win. With Sirianni, I think, look, firstly, if I had a vote, and strangely, I don't have a vote, uh, but if I did have a vote, Drew, uh, I would vote for Nick Sirianni. <laughs> I think he's done the best job of anyone this season. I would have uh, I would have voted for Shanahan last year, I think, but he, Sirianni probably would have been second on my ballot. Uh, but just... The fact that they do not shoot themselves in the foot at all while every other team around them does, the aggressiveness on fourth down, uh, just everything about this team, I agree. But I just think if they have even one loss and I've got them plus 1250 to run the slate and I think that should be about his coach of the year price. I don't think 10 to 1 is super appetizing. Uh, but if they do run the slate, then I think he very likely does win. Yeah. But if he has one loss, if he has one loss, then they were a team that went 14 and three and made the Super Bowl last year and they went 15 and two this year. And everyone kind of thinks they're worse. So I'm not sure. I think that a lot of the bloom, there is a chance that he might win if the vote were held today, just because he's two wins clear everyone. But if he loses to San Francisco or at Dallas, or even at Seattle, which, by the way, is kind of going to be a difficult game for them, just coming off this brutal stretch. And then you go at Seattle, who's going to be desperate for their playoff lives and yeah. uh, kitchen sink game and everything. I think if he even loses one of them, he's you know in, in a bit of trouble. Um, what do you think about his potential at 15 and 2? I think you're exactly right. A second loss, and it's the the we, we, we go back to toward the rubric of who is the most surprising team. Yep. Um, the uh, the real kind of narrative I'd like to hear you kind of uh, expound on is Dan Campbell a false favorite at plus one seventy five. I think certainly I've got no appetite to bet Dan Campbell uh, at plus one seventy five. I think that's way too short. At the same time, I think he should probably still be the favorite just because two things. So one, I've got them plus 370 to get to 13 wins. I think if Dan Campbell gets to 13 wins, just one more loss the rest of the way, 
Lions best season in Detroit Lions history. If he's closed the season 5-1, he'll have a lot of momentum. I think he probably just wins at that point, particularly now that Ryan's is mostly out of the picture. And then the other thing too is that I think there is a way that he can win at 12 and 5, but we talked about this briefly yesterday, but he can, I think he can only win at 12 and 5 if he beats Dallas in Dallas, Dallas in week 17 in primetime, the standalone Saturday night game. If he wins that game, it is going to be the most momentous Detroit Lions win and he will get so much love off of that, yeah. even if they've scuffled a little bit before then. And so I think he's got these two paths. He can run the slate outside of losing to Dallas and be 13 and four, or he can have a couple of losses, but beat Dallas and get to 12 and five. And I think that... If that is the case, I think he can win. So for those reasons, okay. I think he'll be your favorite. I think the second favorite for me now is actually Mike McDaniel, just because they have a real chance of getting the one seed now. I know he has the stench of having lost every big game, but to close the season, they play uh, they play Dallas, Baltimore, yeah. and then the Bills. Buffalo, yeah. If they go two and one in that stretch and get the one seed out of that, uh, then I think McDaniel is, is extremely lucky. Yeah. I agree that now is the buy low on McDaniel because the next three games, their cumulative margin of victory is probably going to yeah. be about 40, 45 points. It's going to be big. They're going to be 11 and three. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward in uh, franchise mode. They will get yeah. to 11 and three. Um, the, the, um, the Dan Campbell point side that you made, I think, were perfectly fair. And you know what it sounded like to me? You're better off just betting Lions money line against sure. Dallas <laughs> than yeah. you're betting Dan Campbell plus 175. Because, yeah. like, I mean, what's that money line going to be? Plus 280? I mean, it's going to be a big number. The way Dallas is playing right now, I, yeah, and the way that the uh, Detroit defense is coming into that one, uh, that's going to be well, a big Dallas number. going to be five and a half point favorites. I was, I was thinking one. like six, maybe. Yeah. yeah, in that range, I would have thought. And it's funny because, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I might have felt like it was going to be three and a half. And then yeah. what from the Detroit defense has changed that. Uh, before we wrap up, to me, and I'm not just saying this because of our positions, but and also quickly, Sean Payton, I know he's getting a lot of buzz like – Sure, if he runs the slate, fine. Uh, he's allowed to win coach of the year, maybe at that point. It's a wild card, even then it's not a lock. But I've got it, uh, I've got them 65 to one to run the slate. Uh, yeah, they've got yeah. Them. they don't have like brutal matchups on their schedule, but it's just a lot, it's a lot of games like at Houston where there's yeah. three and a half point dogs. Yeah. Uh, so I think that Peyton's up against it. But to me, the most interesting element of this market is. How much do you think Mike Tomlin's candidacy will resonate if he's a, like a 12 and 5 wild card? Because so I think if he wins the division, uh, he's in very good position. But do you think that he can win if he's a 12 and 5 uh, or even an 11 and 6? He's probably cooked. But do you think a 12 and yeah, 5 yeah. includes one more time the rest of the way that he can win? It, it's uh, you need so many other things to happen. I feel like uh, that it's probably not likely. And I, I mean, realistically this is going to be a sad received votes campaign for him this year i think yeah. <laughs> like he's finally going to get his votes but it's not going to be enough to win i don't think i think i think he has to win the division and i think if he wins the division which is about five to one uh then i think he's pretty live if they topple the ravens to win that division yeah i agree uh, with that 16 he's 16 to one in the market which to me is too big because i think that he's probably odds on uh, if he wins the division, so he yeah. should be closer to. The I mean, no other, uh, no other coach in football this year, Jay, fired their offensive coordinator and then replaced him with the guy that put up 400 yards for the first time since 2020. 
They're out games. They're out games in the first 10 games of the season and they're Incredible. seven or four. It's kind of wow. ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's a strange one. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure how much his case will resonate and how much people view that as just a fake team that has faked their way to 12 and 5 versus how much they think that this is a fake team that has Mike Tomlin their way to <laughs> he needs to win coach of the year. Uh, I yeah. kind of lean towards the former, unfortunately, yeah. but there is definitely um, an opportunity. If he beats Baltimore in the last week of the season to win the division, I think it would be pretty win. awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe. If you're listening to us as a podcast and also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music, just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.